Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Man, God is good, isn't he? Say all the time, he's good. He's a good God. And uh, Beverly, you believe that, right? Amen. I love you. You're my, one of my greatest cheerleaders. Beverly, is, she loves the Lord. She is the masterpiece, a masterpiece. We, it's just an incredible opportunity we could have together to be family. And this, this is good. It's just part of being family, a church family. And uh, I'm going to continue this morning in talking about something, a subject that probably does not get talked about. And now all of a sudden there's a lot of focus on this, it seems like, since I shared last week. I just talked about the subject of suicide and where we come to that place of helping a hurting community. And as people and as those who are believers, how we help each other within the church because it is affecting the church and also in our community, and just being an extension of community. And so I want to go farther in that today because I didn't get really too far last week. In this, the scripture I started off with, which is John 10, 10, is is a scripture I think that I'll just refer to really quick again, just that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good part of this verse is that Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And so that's his purpose. We know the purpose of the enemy. We also know the purpose of our Savior. So there is a rich and satisfying life that is in store for you for you this morning, and so that's his heart. We talked about defining suicide last week and and gave a few definitions of that. Uh, We talked about some of the issues that cause people to have thoughts of suicide or actually commit suicide or just flat out wish they were dead. And some of you are here today, you've probably been somewhere in that process, and you're thinking, God, why... Why am I even here? Why did you allow me to live? What's going on with my life? And we spent a few minutes last week just talking about depression, which is something that is very serious. And this morning, we've already heard about of not being too caught up with ourselves that we can't just go to God and ask for help or talk to others. And I didn't realize this last week, what was actually going on last weekend in our nation And I want to show you, do you have that picture, Brandon, if you could put that picture up? Right here, this is a representation of, unfortunate, of what I've been talking about. This happened last weekend. This 30-year-old pastor last weekend took his life down in California. Amazing church in Southern California. A large church. This pastor had been struggling. He had just come back from a sabbatical, reintegrating back into the church. And I watched a video of he and his wife were on the platform talking about the excited things about the future of their lives. Personally, they have these three little boys. For whatever reason, the enemy, and we don't understand everything, but the enemy was able to come in, steal, kill, and destroy. But we know that ultimately God is intervening, and God is faithful, and he is lifting the hands of the hurting but when we can put a, a face to a story, it's impacting, because that's your family, that's my family. 
None of us are above this. None of us are not going to be touched by this. We will be touched by it. If you haven't already, you will experience these things. It's interesting because this pastor, Andrew Stecklin, had just preached the week before this, it was last sermon. You know what the title of that message was? The same title of message I preached the week before that, A Mess to a Masterpiece. He obviously didn't know that I had preached it. I'm sure he didn't go on our website and look. But it's interesting that he had this such a stirring in his heart to help people, but yet he so needed that help. Now, this is a situation. It wasn't that people weren't surrounding him and weren't with him and weren't encouraging and praying for him because they were. The whole church was, family, everybody was praying for him. We won't understand all these things, and sometimes they happen no matter what. But I'm here to say that what can we do? That's the question. What can we do? We can all do something. This is obviously a hurting family. I had mentioned to you, uh, for those of you who are maybe here visiting or guests here this morning, I'm also the lead chaplain for the Lacey Police Department here in Chaplain with uh, Thurston County Sheriffs that I had went previous two Sundays ago on a suicide call where there's a bunch of young 20, early 20s that are hurting very badly because of their friend that took his life, and they had no hope. You could see they had no hope. These things are happening on a regular basis, and it's my heart and my desire to do whatever I can do to help in these situations, hopefully before these things happen. Unfortunately, that's not always the case, but I believe that we all have a part to play in this, We've all been in a place in our life. As pastor, the last several years, I remember a couple times going to my elders, my leaders, and saying, guys, I need your help. I'm not doing well right now. That's hard to do. But we have to do that. We have to ask for help. Oh, but the pastor's supposed to be strong. He's supposed to be able to do everything. He, he's Superman. No, he's not. We're all the same. We're all in the same boat. The good thing is we're all created in his image, and he loves every one of us the same, and he has a plan and purpose for every one of us. It's just the enemy that likes to come and try to disrupt. He likes to try to ruin our life. But I'm telling you, I'm here to say, come on, enough. The enemy, come on, no, he's not doing this. We need to take a stand, and we need to... Stand for what's right and the fact that Jesus came to give us an abundant life. We need to grab a hold of that scripture and say, you know, that's my scripture. That's for me. That's for my family. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We may be going through challenges. We may be facing these things, but come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do this together. And if you need to grab a hold of two, three, four, five other people and say, come on with me, we're in. We're in. We need to do this. We need to do this for each other. There's a lot of things that play into it. In fact, the, Pastor Stecklin was talking about the statistics about mental health issues and stuff and was talking about these things. He was very transparent about his own life and the challenges that he was facing and that he was going through personally with the depression, the anxiety attacks, and all of those things. 
And then there's this staggering numbers, but this is real. And you know what? It didn't just start recently, because when I was talking to you last week about it, we look in the Bible, the Bible is full of depressed people, but they're amazing people. You go down the list of the names that we talked about. These are all names of people who are like, these are amazing people. These are amazing men and women of God. But they, they've gone through challenges, mental health issues, depression, all of these things. There's over 44 million people in the United States right now who are dealing with some sort of mental illness. That's quite a few people. Adults. That's adults, 18 and older, by the way, not including children. It's becoming so prevalent. Young adults is the highest right now. It's hitting the highest. Who do we put our hope in? Who do we put our trust in? It can't be us. Thank God for doctors, because there's a place for doctors. Absolutely. Thank God for the professionals that can help in these areas. God designed and set up to have doctors. There's things, times we need a doctor for certain things. But there is the Dr. Jesus, who has all the answers. And he knows everything about us. He knows every detail of our life. I just want to run through really quick just to go through a few, just a few of the suicides that were described in the Bible. In 1 Samuel chapter 31, we see here in these verses 2 through 5, we see that it's about Saul and his armor bearer. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Melchishua. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid he would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. This was basically a suicide because of the sense and feeling of defeat. How many of you have ever felt like you feel like this defeat? You've been defeated. You just can't do this. And those are the places the enemy wants to get us to. He wants to get our mind to that place where we're not thinking clearly. And so they, in this moment of feeling of defeat and despair, these two took their life. And we see in 2 Samuel 17, 23, Ahithophel, somebody you probably don't know too much about, but he was a man who was an advisor. And he gave advice to Absalom, Absalom on how to capture David, but Absalom listened to another man, his advice instead of Ahithophel's advice. So it says when Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. Sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves and what we know and who we are, and our, our identity is in Something we say or do, and if it doesn't happen, you could tell this man, he didn't like the fact that somebody went against his advice. Somehow it struck him in such a way. We don't know what causes things in people's lives. It could be, it's different in everyone, else, everyone around us. It's something different. So we can't pinpoint what that might be. We see different stories here. Then we see, see another one of a man named Zimri. In 1 Kings 16, 18, he was ousted as king after seven days. He was ousted because it was discovered that he had the previous king killed so he could become king. 
So once this sort of truth comes out, Zimri went into the citadel of the palace and burned it down over himself and died in the flames. He just took himself out in a fire. Not a good way to go. But he had gotten himself to such a place, he had done something wrong and then he couldn't deal with the things that were going on with that. Another situation. Then we have Samson. Interesting story. The Philistines, eventually they get him and they find out his secret through Delilah, end up gouging his eyes out, cut his hair. All of a sudden, the power and the anointing and the, of God that was upon him and was told to him, you got to hold this. You can't do these things. You can't cut your hair. You can't. So all these things that he ended up, because he fell into this weakness, so this happened. And so now the Philistines, they're having a big party, a big festival. They're drinking, offering sacrifices to their god Dagon, and they're just rejoicing that they've got this man, Samson. They have ruined his life. So they have Samson. He's at this big, there's like 3,000 people there. This big building with pillars holding it up. He just asked the servant, hey, lead me over to the pillar so I can lean against the pillar. He couldn't see. He didn't have any eyes. He didn't have strength. He was defeated. But one thing that Samson did, he, he called upon the Lord. Now, again, this is how the story works. We don't understand why he chose to do it the way he did and how God chose in that regard, but he prayed that God would give him strength one more time to defeat the Philistines. And he pushed against the pillars and God gave him the strength to do that and they fell and the whole building collapsed and all 3,000 people were killed. Samson died in that, knowing that it was gonna cost him his life. But that, again, that was another story, a little bit different twist, but another thing. And he had taken out, at that time, more people than he had killed in his entire life, which was quite a few during his lifetime. And then I wanna come to the one I want to focus just a little bit on is Judas. Interesting. Such a sense of guilt. Judas. And we'll touch on a couple things here in a moment in that, but I just want to read a portion of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 1. It said, Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders, and he says this, I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted, that's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. There's some interesting things that play out in here because Judas received no support from the priests and the elders when he went. He said, hey, I have sin. What did they say? We don't care. We don't care what you've done. He was hoping probably that there would be some sort of, hey, if these guys can at least step toward me in this thing, I can begin to work my way through this thing. We don't care, that's your problem. That was probably a pretty heavy thing to fall on Judas at the time. Now, if they would have responded differently, maybe it would have changed the outcome, possibly. Judas, we know he was one of Jesus' disciples. 
He was closer to Jesus than most people, period. He was part of the 12. He hung out with them for three years. He was one of his guys. Because you think about it, there's no way that anybody that was close to Jesus, his group of 12, there's no way any of them would have go through any depression or any defeat or any guilt or anything that would cause them to take their life. There's no way. These guys are like walking with Jesus everywhere. And we think that sometimes about those around us. Like, there's no way that person could be depressed. Man, they got everything going for them. That's not true. It's not true. It happens to everyone. Hung around Jesus, spent a lot of time, yet he eventually succumbed to that feeling of there's no self-worth. I've messed up. I can't fix this. It's interesting. It's so very critical that we are there for each other. We call it community. It is. We're part of a community in the church, part of our community around us. That's part of who we are. We're community. Don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. We talked about that when Elijah went off into the woods by himself. He went alone. Wanted God to kill him. Let's not do life alone. It's okay to tell someone, you know what, I'm just not doing very good right now. That's okay. That's normal. It's okay. We have all been to that place where we can say, I'm not doing really well right now. I know I have. It's okay to ask for help. And if somebody has the nerve to try to laugh at you or say, oh, come on, just grow up or just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it. Come on, what are you talking about? Well, maybe they're a voice from the enemy who's tried to steal, kill, and destroy. Because that's not the voice of the Lord. We need to be those who are carrier of his, of his presence, his voice, the hope, love, the things that we need to be those who are carriers of who he is and represent that. This last Friday, two days ago, I got a call for a death. These are always tough and challenging times. Every time I go to something like this, I'm just praying, Lord, <laughs> give me whatever it is I need to be, because I can't in my own self. I don't, I don't have it. I can't do this. Holy Spirit, you be the one. You, you lead me. You guide me. I'm going to talk to some person or people who right now are at the worst moment of their life. So I got there, and I met this gentleman who was just anxiety point, for sure. Never, ever have, he's never seen, it was this really good friend, he'd never seen anything like this before, and he had given him a ride to his house. And this guy ended up right in his driveway, what determined later by the medics and coroner of, basically had a stroke and a massive heart attack right there. And he's sitting right, you know, with him in the car. He didn't have a chance. But this guy is saying, this is my fault. I could have done something. I could have done something. I will be contacting him again. We're, we're going to stay in connection because he's, he's a man who's right now who's not doing well, doesn't know the Lord. But I believe these are some of the things what God has called me he didn't call everybody to do this. It's a calling. God's called us all, though, to be a part of people's lives and, and that. There's some specific things like this that are challenging and difficult. I understand that. And so he does put callings on different people. Please pray for me. Because it's not, it's not that easy. 
Thank you. And I carry these things with me, but I, God has given me the ability to be able to offload them on him. But it's important that I make sure that I'm doing well. And it's important that you make sure I'm doing well. So I have no problem if you ask me, Pastor, how are you doing? And if I say I'm doing good and, and you think otherwise, say, no, really, how are you doing? Because that's the problem a lot of times. We go surface real quick, how are you doing? And somebody says, I'm great, and then we're off. And they turn and they, they walk away and they start crying. We miss something. See, we see that Judas, he acknowledged his sin, but he didn't do it in such a way like Peter. When Peter sinned and he acknowledged and he believed that he repented, believed, and he was pardoned and that reconnection with Jesus, he recognized it and went through the process and went to Jesus and they had this conversation. And, but Judas, he acknowledged it, but he didn't get recognized at that moment. He just sort of kind of went into this despair and it ruined him. And he ended up taking his life before finishing out the process. He couldn't face Jesus and the guys that he hung out with for three years. Maybe he just felt like, I can't go face Jesus. But we know that if he would have went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I am so sorry. Right there, boom. Forgiveness, grace. Come on, Judas, give me a hug. Didn't happen. But that's, we have to be able to see ourselves get through the process and help people walk through that process. Sometimes we feel like, I can't even face God right now. Yes, he said, come to me, Hebrews 4.16. Man, when you're messed up the most, come to me, because my grace and my mercy is there. Come on, that's when I can do the most in your life. Yeah, so we, we want to believe the lie that we have to be in some great condition to go to Jesus. And we don't. He likes us in our worst. Because he can be at his best. <laughs> He's good at that. Yeah. So the story of Judas' betrayal, it's a contrast with that of Peter. The temporary failure for Peter... He had tears of repentance, and he ends up going through the process, and his, he was restored with Jesus. But Judas, he had this decision to go against Jesus, which he did. Peter did that, too. He had remorse, realized his mistake, but he ended up not going through the full process of repentance and in that. So he got into the despair, not believing that his sin could be forgiven, probably. I believe Judas had... Knowledge, sight, sense of sin. He knew what that was, but he could not grasp the grace and mercy of Jesus. He wasn't able to grab a hold of that. Sometimes we need other people to help lead us to that and remind us because scriptures are so good. The, the word is so good. What was it that it induced Judas to acknowledge his sin, though? What was it? I believe it was when he saw that moment that he realized Jesus is actually condemned to die. And now he felt all of this. This is on me. Because I, I believe he probably thought Jesus is Jesus. He'll get his way out of this thing. I just made 30 pieces of silver and I kind of screwed up here. But Jesus will get out of this thing. We'll kind of clear it up later. And it didn't happen that way. He thought either Jesus was going to get out, talk his way out of it, or he would just miracle this thing and kill those guys and he's off on doing whatever. But that's not how it happened. So as soon as he realized Jesus is actually condemned to die, that hit him hard. Sometimes things in our life, it hits us hard. 
We're in that moment. And I ask people a lot of times when something happens so dramatic in their life and there's this moment where they're at this lowest place and I ask them, do you feel like harming yourself in any way? Do you feel like, do you feel like not being here, not living? Do you have no purpose? Because that's, at that moment, there's a foundation that's saying, yeah, I actually feel that way right now. Okay, now we have something to build on. We can work our way up. And we bring Jesus right in. Because <laughs> he's there for us. I need to cover a subject matter here that's part of this. And I want to do it justice. Let me do this now and then we'll... I'm going to continue next week because there's more things that God's given me in this. And I hope you're okay with it. We're going somewhere with this because there's things that God's giving us for answers and there's things that, that I'm excited about sharing with you. I'm not going to get to that today. It'll be next week. And if you're not going to be here, absolutely go on our website, check out the podcast and, and pick up on that. But I do want to deal with one thing here because this is something that comes up periodically that people ask me this question. And I've found in my discovery the Bible doesn't directly condemn suicide but it really treats it as an indication of a failure or a sense of failure, often intensified by guilt or great personal loss, those kinds of things. So the Bible doesn't, people are looking for, is an unconfessed sin, does that keep you from heaven? So if you commit suicide, does that mean you you went to hell? And I've had people tell me that they've been told that their friend went to hell because he committed suicide. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I've done a lot of searching of the word. I can't find that in there. There's a lot of things you can read about, you know, certain people not entering the kingdom if they practice this sin and that sin. The reality, come on, we need to talk about Jesus, who's, a, who, who's grace. So I'm thinking, okay, we understand that suicide is a form of taking a life of a person. Yes, it's a sin, to commit a murder, to take one's life. Well, if you took your life, you're taking a life. I understand that. But are we starting to then categorize things in such a way to label them? Because my question is, do you believe, really truly believe, that if somebody died with unconfessed sin, that they would go to hell? Do you think that really is true? Because if it is, most people probably aren't going to be in heaven. (laughs) but it's a question. Do you think Billy Graham, we all know Billy Graham, pretty incredible man of God, right? If the day before he died, or the day of his death, he had this anger outburst and just went on a tirade, and then he died. Well, anger's a sin, and he did not, and let's say he forgot to confess it. (laughs) So do you think Jesus up there, Billy, I know you did a lot for me, but... Can't let you in. That anger right at the end did it. You served 99 years and you were good, but it's just that one thing. We would all be disqualified, wouldn't we? I cannot see anywhere in the Word that you would say or tell somebody, find anything that would say if somebody commits suicide that they're going to hell. We all have unconfessed, we're probably sitting right here with unconfessed sin today. I did it during communion. So hopefully you did too. So maybe we're, maybe we're in a good spot right now. So this is real stuff I'm talking about. Because these are questions people ask. 
And so when somebody says, I was told that my friend went to hell because he committed suicide, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't find that to be biblically true. You can dig and dig and make up and put patch and stuff together and come up with something that you're like, oh, okay, if you put this verse with that verse and take that one out. and Come on, though. We're talking about a God who is a gracious God who wants people to spend eternity with him, not trying to figure out a way to keep them out. Yeah. Romans 10.9. Here, this is it. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, let's take it. Come on, let's believe that. We're going to all fail. We're going to all sin. We're going to do these things. And, and really, our heart should be that we're walking in truth and we're not going through and practicing the sins that the Bible talks about. Hey, if you practice these things, you won't enter the kingdom. Okay, I need to look at that. I need to watch and look for those things. But you cannot start dissecting and going, well, anger is okay if you don't confess that before you die. But adultery is not. So if you don't confess that, then you go to hell. I mean, where do you... That's not our place, for one. But I just don't believe God is so... He's a simple... God that says, my grace and my mercy is there, and we're covered by that. We're covered by that. So hopefully you can leave here today and, and feel like, you know what, I just love God's grace. It's there when we need it the most, because we're human beings. He says, you need my grace. But he also, his desire, we know, is for us to walk in truth. But in the meantime, as we're getting there, as we're perfecting, and we're getting there, there's the grace because we stumble. Amen. I'm telling you, I, I've learned this over the years because I've, I've had to have what I call the humility of the Lord. You've probably never experienced this. <laughs> but I've been humbled a few times. And I realize I need to take a look at how I see other people. I need to see them through his eyes, not my eyes. And the judgmental things that so many Christians... Man, I tell you, we're the worst critics. Christians, they eat their own. That's not good. We not we not be eating each other. We should be loving on each other, encouraging. Worship team, come on. I want to end in a good note. You know, just the grace of God. I'll come back to some of these other things next week, but I'll leave it here today. These things that we're talking about, they're serious things. They're real things. And I know they don't get talked about from the pulpit very often. But it's important. I know you came to church to be encouraged or to whatever. I hope you're encouraged in the sense that, come on, there's hope. There's things that we can do. We also will have some tools to help us with each other. And it's okay to say I'm not doing well. It's okay. That means we're all in the same boat together. Lord, thank you, God. Again, you first loved us. You sought us out. You said, That's, those are my kids. I created them in my image. I created them for a purpose. I created them so that I would, I could live through them 
that they would have life of abundance. Lord, we pray against the enemy and his evil tactics. They haven't changed since day one. He hasn't changed his strategy or tactics. It's very clear. He says what he's going to do. God, we take authority over that. The thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he has no authority in our lives. We take authority over him. And I pray blood of Jesus Christ protection over each person here today, their family members, their friends, their neighbors. God, we are asking for the divine power of God to reside in every person that would be evident. We thank you, God, for your goodness, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Jesus' name. Would you stand with me as we're going to sing the song? As, as we're singing this song, absolutely, the altars are open. If you want to come and pray, if you need prayer, if you want us to pray for you for any reason, this is a good time for it. It really is a good time. We're here for each other. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 